Welcome back everyone. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and we are turning the corner in the holidays from Thanksgiving to the Christmas season and I'm sure everyone is just full of all sorts of overwhelming holiday tasks to get done. I have a special guest for you today and we're going to discuss overcoming inertia getting past procrastination and those pesky tasks, getting around to doing them even if they seem too overwhelming with a healthy level of being able to maintain your focus thrown in for good measure. The Truth in Coaching podcast is about an honest take on the fitness industry and on the personal coaching industry. And it's really about where the rubber meets the road with the coach and the client, with the emphasis being on finding the appropriate action steps so that you can make progress. We don't want to live in just theory, but we do want to find where the action can actually be taken. And that frequently causes sparks, smoke, and noise. Uh, it's also a little bit about getting inside of your trainer's head, what's going on in their mind. And then on top of that, we're going to take a look at building a fitness business across the course of the entire podcast. But for today, I want to introduce my guest. She is not only my business partner, but she handles the back end and is the office manager for everything peak conditioning and fitness and she's my wife. So without further ado, I'm gonna welcome Samantha Spencer to the program. You guys are gonna learn a lot. She is one of the best people that I know about getting into action and staying in action. I hope you enjoy this one. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's good to be here. Yeah, I like, uh, I like that we're able to bring you in because uh, coaching isn't just, or rather what we're talking about truth in coaching isn't just, you know, the actual interaction with people and the, the sweat and the motivation. There's a lot of back end to that. Mm. And it's a really good analogy for success and whatever you're trying to do. Um, business, life, sport, you know, uh, because there's the amazing highlight reel stuff and then there's the grind that goes behind it. And uh, we would not be anywhere close to where we are today if you weren't on board as a serious teammate because handling a lot of the business stuff and a lot of the, uh, the online stuff, there's just like a constellation of tasks that have to happen. And for that, I'm very grateful to have you on the team. And then of course, um, we met right when I was getting started in the whole coaching side of things. My, my background, of course, was heavy in the leadership, heavy in the athletics, but it was about 12 or 13 years ago that I was actually just getting started in this idea of, oh, well, maybe somebody is trying to get fitter or trying to change their life. That's a very specific way to interact with someone as a coach. And so you've actually been there for the whole journey with me going through that and you've participated in it as well. So you have an athletic background mm -hmm. and uh, you've done quite a bit of hustling up and down the court in your basketball days and then um, kind of moving into 
the private facility and the private coaching. Um, you did a lot of coaching in the early days and now you're just a little more on the back end side of it. Of course, you know, being on the, the mommy side of things takes you off of the coaching floor, but you have a special way of tackling tasks that I know you don't think is special. And anybody that, um, anybody that knows us well knows that we have highly contrasting styles of how to get things done. But um, your way of getting things done is a little bit more on the hard ass side. And I'm a little bit more on the, how can we diagnose this so that everybody's like mentally happy? But sometimes being happy just comes down to getting it done. So let me set up the, the scenario for what I want to talk about here, which is procrastination and maybe dragging tasks out too long. It is the week of Thanksgiving and every year I tell myself I'm going to write my letter to Santa and have it turned in by Thanksgiving or, you know, the day after Black Friday, whatever. And uh, really that means that you get a copy and my mom gets a copy and my mother-in-law gets a copy. And almost every year I fail on this task and it gets done really late. And I'm talking like last year, I almost gave up. I think I was just like, look, I don't know. Just give me cash. It was that bad. But you know, it's because I, I have this idea, this ideal in my mind, writing your wish list is very cozy. You get to uh. anticipate. And in my mind's eye, I'm setting the ideal conditions for getting this done. And it involves, you know, a nice hot cup of Jones and, uh, you know, wearing some plaid or whatever. Maybe, maybe there's snow, maybe not. It doesn't matter, but it's this, this is idyllic thing in my mind. And that ideal condition never manifests itself. Right. And as a result, I'm stuck not having my task done by the end of, well, almost by the end of December when we're at like a failure point. Yeah. You are a hopeless romantic. <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, you want, like you said, set everything up have the perfect movie, the perfect lights, the perfect setting, the perfect Christmas music. And then you're gonna sit down with the kids being perfect angels that you see and they're, they're playing with their little puzzles in front of you. In reality, our kids are running all over the house and screaming and yelling and climbing on things. And the Christmas tree is barely getting up and there's no movies on. And so then you're like, oh, can't do it. And a lot of people put themselves in situations similar to that. Yeah, no. Trying to get things done in, in, any, in any task. Right. Now, fortunately, um, this is probably the least consequential task, right? Which is why I'm bringing it up, which is why I'm okay with you kind of like beating me up about it. It might be, but it has come to the point that you don't get Christmas presents from me without a list because I seem to not pick good ones off the list. So I there's, refuse to buy one. There's consequences. The okay. But <laughs> right. Bringing things down into, um, coaching, i.e. we're trying to take a problem 
And then how do we find action steps out of that, right? So it's, it's a good example because there are consequences, right? Every decision you make has consequences to it. I'm just saying it's a good example for now because it's the least consequential. Now the holidays are a difficult time for a lot of people because we have um, excess eating of sweets. We have excess inerting of our bodies. As the cold sets in, people haven't adapted to that. They're not getting out as much. If you're an outdoor, you know, exerciser, if you're an indoor exerciser, maybe you haven't set up a gym membership, or maybe it's just, just again, it, maybe it doesn't seem idyllic to get to the gym. We haven't transitioned to the cold yet. Right. Also, people um, have a lot of end of year tasks that have to do with their businesses. Right. A fun story. I've got a client who was really stressed out and missed several sessions last week. But um, for him, that's because he's in marketing and they had to get everything in the week before Black Friday. Oh, right. And now he's done for the year. Oh, and so nice. it's gonna be a lot easier to take him through the rest of the holidays. Right. But I think most people struggle a little bit more because travel begins to pile on. Right. We already have, you know, the elements against you of the literal elements and then the also um, the holiday foods and the social expectations, right? But this is also a time of year where projects are due, um, holiday shopping is a thing. You know, I have a lot of events around this time of year that are, are difficult. We have the Marine Corps birthday ball that mm -hmm. we just got back from, which required an extra travel trip. Mm -hmm. um, our anniversary is this time of year. I think for, um, you know, fall anniversaries or even December anniversaries, that's going to be a bigger chunk of this half of the year for weddings than, you know, um, like spring and early summer weddings. So, you know, there's a preponderance of people going through that. We've got, uh, we've got, dang it. What have we got? We got traveling for other well, yeah. families. Yeah. You know, multiple corporate holiday parties. Your like birthday. Said, birthday's coming up and... Yeah, so there's just there's, a lot of expectations. There's a lot to crunch into eight weeks. So I think it's a good time to talk about procrastination and how to deal with that if possible. Right, right? now, um, the, the, I want to talk about like three like functional areas of procrastination. But then if you could imagine, instead of this just being a linear list of these functional areas, we've also got different kinds of tasks. And the kinds of tasks that you can end up doing can be impacted in, in how, um, how much this advice actually applies, right? So my kinds of tasks are gonna be creative, where you have to sit down and make something new. Maybe you're operating off of a template or a known system, but it's, it's an intellectual product that you have to get out. And that is where I think people are most susceptible to mood or trying to find the idyllic time to get something done when in fact, they just need to get their work done. How can we get the work done? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, the second kind of uh, type of task to be done as a process task. If you just have to get in and take one brick from your left hand, 
pass it over the middle of your body, take it to the right hand, and then lay it down with the right hand. That's a process task. Um, these can vary in how intellectual they have to be, but repetitive things that just require you to move either a bunch of physical materials from one side to the other, or a bunch of intellectual materials from one program to another. You know, data entry is a great example of that. Um, those can be time consuming, but I think you're less susceptible to procrastination. Doesn't mean the tips still don't apply. Third functional area, physical tasks. That can be labor or it can be getting your exercise in. I think there's a different set of strategies for dealing with that, but let's go over stuff that's common to everything. Um, we actually had a uh, several pre-conversations prior to bringing you on this because like trying to get you to agree what to talk about <laughs> has been a negotiation task in and of itself. Um, but I think the first functional area that you successfully identified, and it's a good place to start, is talking about controlling your environment. Right. Um, exactly. Like for instance, for me, I work a lot from home. I do a lot of my design work, a lot of work for the gym, basically everything I do is at the house. So your design work is your other job. So as, as my business partner and as uh, someone involved in the coaching realm, you're in and on the, uh, the fitness side of things, but that's essentially a part-time job for you. You also work full-time as a landscape designer. Correct. You have been certified as a landscape architect in the past, but right now you're a landscape designer in the state of Colorado and you do residential builds. So that's when she says design work, like it's uh, program intensive and art intensive. Right. So um, when it comes to procrastination or controlling your environment, I just... It's just a matter of sitting down and making sure your settings are optimized, I guess you can say. Um, for me, put some headphones in, put something that I'm familiar with on YouTube or a Prime or something. Open up your program, only have that program open. Turn your phone off so you can't get distracted by anything. And close yourself in a room, go to a coffee shop somewhere where no one's gonna recognize you which is exactly why the gym setting is so perfect because if I want to work out, I go straight to the gym and I'm in that work environment to, to get to work. It's kind of like you walk in and your whole mindset changes. So um, do, controlling the environment, like we discussed earlier, is really important to put your mind in the right work mode so that you're not emotionally attached to to other priorities that you have on your running list because everyone has a list. Like you, we've all talked about, we all have 24 hours in a day. Nobody has enough time to do anything they need to do. There's always tabs running in your head about what else you need to do. So when you say so, emotional attachment to other priorities, I, I'm presuming that you mean you see a physical cue. For example, for you, it could be seeing dirty dishes. And because you saw that, it disrupted what you were trying to do because it irritates you so much. Yes. Dirty dishes on the counter drive me crazy. So if I literally have to do something hardcore where everyone's at home and easily available to, um, and when I say are hardcore, like with a deadline, like urgent, right? Um, 
I either need to take two or three minutes and wipe that slate clean, i.e. the actual counter and clean those dishes or go to a different room where I can't see them. Yeah, so you have to deal with the dishes or just not let them approach your consciousness at all. Right. That's, I mean, that's a really interesting point because um, post COVID, the amount of people that work from home or that do some portion of work from home has dramatically increased. Mm -hmm. So you might just have regular job performance improvement right there. Right. And a lot of people have offices that they can can move to. We just don't have that designated space as as well as other people do. Right. Yeah. Like we have office space, but Yeah, there's there's an analogy that we use in coaching about um, shaping your environment that uh, talks about an elephant and its writer. Okay, now that's symbolic of your subconscious and your um, biological drives and the things that make you go on an automatic basis. That's the elephant. Very, very strong instincts resolve in that elephant. Now the writer that's on top of the elephant is your thinky brain. That's your conscious brain that can give uh, cues, go left, go right. Mm. You, can, you can flog the elephant with a mm. stick if you want to, right? But at the end of the day, the thinky brain is not stronger than the elephant. And you can get the elephant to do things up until a point until it gets frustrated. So what's gonna be stronger? Like if your conscious brain is trying to take your subconscious into territory that you cannot plow through, you're gonna find very, very quick frustration. So an elephant, for example, um, kind of being its own independent creature will not go right into a wall, right? You can't force an elephant through a building. You might be able to temporarily force an elephant through a path of resistance in the forest if the brush isn't too thick, right? But then that elephant might eventually refuse, right? right? So what the, what the thinking person needs to do to harness the power of their routines and their subconscious is when you have willpower, when it's available to you, you want to actually shape the terrain. Imagine that the elephant came up to a fork in the road. It's going to be a lot easier for the rider to influence left or right on a trail that already exists than for that rider to influence the elephant to go straight up and over a mountain that's in the fork in the road. Right. And this is going to sound really um, backwards being of the sports athlete's mindset, but um, when it comes to procrastination, you're literally just doing what you can to not fail. So if you're, you're clearing out everything you can, you're not, people who are super successful or get a lot of things done, don't, don't have amazing like five minute routines every single hour that they, now I do this, now I do this, now I do this, it makes them successful. They just know what makes them fail and fail really fast and hard. And they say, okay, don't do that. So if you can set yourself up in an environment where you know you're not going to fail, you're not going to be tempted to do something else, you're not going to be distracted by a, a call or a different YouTube or or you're you're in an environment where it's it's given you the energy and the motivation to push forward whether it's physical or work, then um you're not going to fail and that's half the battle. 
Yeah, it kind of drives me crazy when a few people, most people don't do this because I think they understand that their gym time with me is time for them to work hard and to work on their bodies. But some people leave their phones on and take calls. They'll just drop out of the workout in the middle of a workout. And uh, okay, I get it. Like if this is the deal of the decade, mm. maybe you want to do that. But being able to say, hey, I'm in an appointment and I can't take this call, you're setting yourself up for success by not allowing distractions into right. that hour. Mm -hmm. um, we could really dive deep on nutrition with this. Right. And you really should because how you shape what goes into your house or what goes into your house is how you shape the terrain of that. That's a big deal. But um, I'll give you a very quick example. It doesn't just have to be what you actually put in your fridge or your pantry. You know, for a while, we, um, because of the tightness and the smallness of our house, we didn't have a table to eat dinner at. And we started adding, you know, one kid, two kids, and things got a little crammed. And we started having a lot of meals on the couch and the food quality went down. So just the act of going out and finding a cheap table, either like a, a kit or a, uh, a secondhand one, whatever we did. And we found a way to make that become the place to eat food. It improved mealtime, it improved mm -hmm. the quality of the ingredients. We were taking uh, less munchy snackables with higher calorie counts to the couch. That is terrain shaping, that is environment shaping that helps you. But if we're talking about overcoming procrastination, uh, my top tips are gonna be, you know, number one, eliminate distractions. And then number two, understand what supporting elements or supporting media are aids to your work and what are not aids to your work. I cannot have movies on in the background. Um, I can't have lyrical music on in the background because especially when I'm working on something that involves words or I'm typing a report or I'm, you know, um, typing an article or something like that. If there are other words happening, I will listen to those words. Even a well-known rock song that's been out for decades. Like I'm just too artistic. I get too into the philosophical meaning behind that and I can't pay attention. So I have to find like instrumental uh, arrangements. I have to find, you know, lo-fi beats. That's a great way for me to study uh, also classical music. Classical music is creative and orderly mm -hmm. and it's easy for the brain to organize its thoughts in there. Um, I like jazz as well. It's high energy. It's a little less orderly, but it has a complex order to it and a rhythm that helped me think clearly. And uh, for those creative tasks, I just can't do it. For process tasks, I can handle a little bit of, you know, TV or verbalism, but most of the stuff I'm doing is on the, the creative and actual generating communication. And I would say I'm probably the opposite of that because I can't type and talk at the same time. Yeah. So like if I'm having a conversation with someone, all of a sudden those, that conversation will end up with whatever I'm typing out, right? So if I'm processing something, i.e. writing a communication, getting this information from the left to this information in a different platform kind of thing. Um, I can't have a conversation going on, something I'm literally listening to, right? Going on in the background. But I could have movies, like you, opposite of you. I could have movies going all day long. No problem. I can't have a YouTube, something that I'm learning. 
like a YouTube skill. Yeah, something that's so new and novel yes. for your brain. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden I dive into it and I'm back playing it and then I'm writing notes down and 23 minutes later I just learned a whole new skill or add to the skill I'm trying to learn and wasn't focused on my actual task that I had in front of me. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so, and a lot of what you do is process-oriented anyways. Um, I mean, I know you have to apply critical thought to your designs, but once you're translating them from pen and paper to, you know, program and to formatting, it's more process-oriented, which brings us to the next point. First point was control your environment, pick whatever sub-tips in there help you. Second one is understand the process of getting into flow. There is serious uh, brain science, serious like social science that goes behind this that help top performers perform well. And, and flow is the state of not necessarily everything is easy. Like flow is not magic in the sense that, you know, the magical little uh, kitchen implements come out and make dinner for you like happens in the Disney movies, but flow is you're applying your gifts and skills and you're applying your effort and your focus, but it's coming together the way it should, as opposed to being in a state of like constriction or disflow where everything feels like it is uh, clumsy and falling apart and the product is bad. You know, athletes seek to get into flow all the time. Uh, teams, seek to get into flow together and finding that synergy where, hey, we're putting forth hard effort, but we're going in the direction that we want to go into. That's flow. And it can apply to any individual task or any product. So the, the phases of flow, and you know, I didn't make this up myself, I was introduced to this model by Lance and Carl Wallnow from uh, Level 10 Living. Um, your phases are struggle, break, flow, and recover. The struggle phase being you have started the task and it's going poorly. And everything is terrible. And maybe you're trying to write you know, a term paper or something and you open up your word processor and you start to write and it's crap, 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 crap. And maybe you're actually typing that out, right? And you've, you've tried to apply your thoughts or you're putting some thoughts down on paper and it's not making sense. And you just feel like it's not coming together. Then you take a short break after maybe five to 25 minutes of that. And that short break is just a scenery change. It's not big enough to completely distract you. But for me, I go out and I'll throw some darts at a dartboard. Um, not very many. And then maybe I'll take some water. Maybe I'll do some stretches. Then you come back down and you sit down. And that should give your brain enough time to defrag from the hard start. Now, all of a sudden, the thoughts come in more orderly. Now we are, oh, well, really, it was going to be 0.17 and 12, ah, but I see 1, 2, 3 much more clearly, mm -hmm. right? And it begins to come into place, and then you can begin to flesh that out. And you want to work into that as long as you feel strong and you're putting out good product. Typically, that'll be an hour and a half, maybe a couple hours. And then you're going to get tired, and the output isn't as good anymore, so we get into recover phase. This gets mirrored 
with teams and with athletes. That's one of the reasons why your warm-up is so difficult because your body doesn't want to do the task it's being presented and you need to feel some of that discomfort as you're getting ready to get into the proper workout. And then um, at the end of that, you know, either coaches warm up for the team or your personal warm up in the gym, then the referee's whistle blows. We have that break, that breath before the plunge. Then you get into the actual action or rather when uh, the referee's whistle blows, that's when the actual game begins or set one of your workout, that's when the actual heavy lifting begins, whatever. Um, or you crack open your word processor for the second time and now we can begin to get the right things come out of that. Um, but you tend to disagree with that and I think it's just based on you doing more process things versus more creative heavy things. But what's, what's your beef? I... I do disagree, but maybe not to the full extent that you think I do. So I just honestly don't believe in taking a break between that struggle and the flow. Like just get up, get to work, work through the struggle. You'll eventually get into your flow. And all of a sudden, once you're flowing, you don't want to stop because things are coming to you smoothly. It's all clear. It's like, oh, I can see the end of the road. So let's just work, 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 work until it's done. Um, I honestly, too, with a lot of things that I'm doing right now, the struggle isn't that long. I don't have to struggle half an hour, usually. I am learning something new right now, so the struggle's really big. So I feel like I've been struggling for three days trying to figure this out. But... Well, what are you learning, if you don't mind? Um... Uh, program management software okay so it's just just going through the 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 end project is so big that you have to like fragment it down yeah into like the first step and so that's it, the struggle is is as a grown-up applying something that you had the comfort to learn as a student, but now you don't have the time to do it because a project is depending on it. Right. And you're trying to apply adult learning right. to something that's already in motion. Yeah, that's tough. Thankfully, there's a ton of tutorials. Like, I don't have time to figure it out on my own. There's people that have been doing this before me, so I can just zap into, tap into these tutorials and figure it out. It helps yeah. a lot. And just getting started. I'm the type of person that I'm okay with struggling while I'm flowing, i.e. do it and course correct while you're going. Yeah, so I have- Not like course corrections. No, I have, I have a different um, take on this. And my take on this is that you would actually get better performance if you were to try to apply this model and let yourself uh, basically accept that there's something in it that has value. You would have, um, more productive flow and your work would be of higher quality. However, how I interpret this is life is, is all about strategy and tactics, right? So strategy is the overall plan. And this is like the general direction that we're taking our effort. Whereas tactics are, how do you deal with a specific problem as it comes up? And how do you make a decision between sometimes bad and worse or good and better, right? Or bad and better, right? So 
you have made the decision in your work rhythm to say, okay, if I take an intentional break after the struggle phase, I am actually exposing myself to the potential of so much distraction that if I don't keep my head down and just work, that I'm going to get completely interrupted. And then the struggle phase was for nothing. And I just essentially got a short little burst that was just terrible. Yes, I could agree with that because then what's going to happen is I'm going to have to repeat the entire struggle phase again next yes. time. Yes. Yes. So and you're making. I don't have time or the energy to go through multiple struggle phases when I could just do it once, push through it, and to get into my flow. Yeah. Now that's that's a tactical decision that you've said my risk of sucking is less if I do this. Um, if we could optimize your environment, though, I think you'd find that you would perform better. Having said that, the big caveat that I talked about earlier is a lot of your stuff is process oriented. And so getting into hardcore flow matters less. I don't know. I mean, what I do like, I, I can't remember. I'm sorry if you said this, but what I would rather do is struggle, go through my flow to like 95% completion, walk away, come back, because then I feel like I have something of value to evaluate. <laughs> I have no idea what you meant. Look, so my designs, for instance, I can't have, if I'm starting to struggle with a design, the creative process of trying to figure out how things place, really when it comes to landscape design, it it's a matter of finding the right puzzle pieces to fit into, into the, the puzzle that you have. I just have to create those puzzle pieces versus having those puzzle pieces given to me. Um, so if I can get nine out of 10 of those puzzle, puzzles in place, those pieces in place, then walk away and come back and reevaluate it, I can go, oh, guess what? I can fit 11 pieces in here if I rearrange everything like this in a different manner versus struggle, 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 take a break. Okay, now where's the first piece go? That may be a case of uh, interpretation as well. So I would say that by getting an imperfect nine pieces in place, you are going through struggle and that unlocks your brain and allows you to defrag it later. In any case, the, the point of all of this is when you're working on that bigger project, Give yourself a little more room and then allow for these phases to play out. Um, if this sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus to you, just, just observe, right? Observe what happens when you work and see if you can identify any of that rhythm in there. Mm. Because we're not talking, we're seeking flow, okay? We're not seeking struggle. Right. We're seeking flow. If you are in flow, don't interrupt it. Right. It's like if you were trying to, you know, seek a delicious burrito and somebody was standing there with it, handing it to you, you wouldn't go somewhere else looking for it. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's right there. So if you've got it, go for it. But if you're having trouble getting into it, maybe look for some of those bookend pieces. Right. Right. Then. You know, really the next big piece, first one was control your environment. Second one was recognize the pattern. 
of the struggle, break, flow, recover, and try to leverage it if you can, or if appropriate. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, none of this matters if we do not assess correct priorities to begin with. And I think this is where a lot of people are gonna struggle around the holidays. Um, People struggle with it anyways, like you struggle your whole life with it. And we could go like enormously deep dive. There are thought leaders, business leaders, uh, athletics leaders, military leaders, you know, that have developed systems upon systems for career progression, for leading a good life, for developing, you know, everything from, um, I guess they say like cradle to grave, but like getting you to where you want to go. And that's going to take a long time to unpack and to practice correctly and involves like a complex amount of goal setting and like distraction removal and stuff. But that's strategy. So on the tactical level, on the how do I deal with all of the priorities bouncing around in my brain and how do I stabilize that right now? What's your go to? I write everything down and then I cross half of it out. So you just let all the nonsense in your brain get out and then you call it out for what it is. Yes. Most of it is not a priority. It's, it's, it seems like a priority to us because we have family coming in town. We have holidays coming. We have trips coming up, but, and everything seems like an urgent, has an urgent deadline to it. At the end of the day, if the dishwasher, if you have dishes in your dish, in, in your sink, and you just put the dishwasher on rinse before you leave the house for your trip, you're going to be fine. Yeah. If your dishes are still in there, they're okay. You're going to come home. It's going to be fine. At the end of the day, you can do your dishes at the end of the day. Yeah. If you still have clothes in the dryer before you leave, it's okay as long as they're dry. Um, Just every, we so easily get worked up about things that have to be done in a certain way. Oh, I get trip anxiety. We don't. Uh, I get household cleanliness, laundry, trip anxiety. Like if I'm leaving, I want my laundry done before that weekend and it can trip me up yeah. on bigger priorities. Right. And then the real important things don't get done. Okay. So you really just got to look at your list. It's a lot easier to look at it if you have it all written out. And yeah. it's a lot easier to see once you write out, oh, why do I think that's important? Yeah. So getting it down on paper takes some of the emotionalism out of it for you. Helps you think more objectively. Yeah. yeah. And then you that's can good. Say yes or no. And email people. If you have deadlines coming up, talk to them. Most people aren't working in the next month. They say they're working, right? But well, they're stressing. They, they are online shopping at their job. Mm-hmm. Most of the most businesses are getting a very little done and everyone else knows that their clients are getting very little done. So it's just creating this let's not do any work until the first of the year kind of attitude. Holiday parties, co-workers parties. Yeah. Um, you know, people are getting engaged. People are, like you said, having birthdays, having anniversaries. People are retiring. So you're saying that the emergency that you're feeling might not be so bad. It's not an emergency. Okay. Now, I will counter that with you. It's not an emergency. Because this is my axe that I grind as a coach. 
your biology does not stop for everybody else's not emergency. So if you're not taking care of yourself and like physically in motion, you have to find a way to deal with that. Now, this might not be the time. You might be overloaded and you might not be ready to take charge of your fitness, but your fat gain or fat loss or arteries clogging or arteries clearing or your body uh, accumulating toxins or clearing out toxins does not stop based on other people working or not working. So you do have to control what you have to control, but a lot of that comes down to the whole scheme of things, to the art of consistency, to uh, developing that internal rhythm and that internal habit where taking care of yourself is a daily action. Right, absolutely, and you can, like you said, you can control your environments by physically going to the gym yeah. before you go to work. Yeah. If you have to, if you have an after work party, just go to the gym on your lunch mm -hmm. hour. Um, and a lot of that though is a, is a built up skill. So like right. we're, we're a little more skilled in some areas. You know, somebody who has a talent and they've been in a field for a very long time has a bunch of subset skills that they take for granted. Mm -hmm. Me getting up and working out and stretching and just like moving well is a skill that I kind of take for granted. And I know that some people are starting on, you know, the ground floor on that. So expectation management is a big piece. You know, if you can successfully get out and move your body, even if you didn't accomplish highly focused training, maybe that helps you manage through the holidays and uh -huh. that's okay. Um, but again, you know, establishing those priorities, how I will do it. So you were, I also use paper, right? You're taking it out on paper and you're just scratching half of them off, right. which is a great technique for emotional management. I can actually see that. And I would say that's simpler. I should apply that from time to time. What I do though, is I do a weekly review and I write a quadrant, mm -hmm. all right? And in this quadrant, I have my functional areas. One is Marine Corps Reserves. One is peak conditioning and fitness, which includes this podcast. The other is personal, just everything that I want out of life or that I need to do to take care of myself. And then the other is household and family. And out of those areas, I write down everything that's on my plate, right? And if, uh, if I forget about it, I remember it and go put it back on there when it does pop into my head a little bit later. But with that quadrant now, I take every single item and I number them in their sector one through however many. And once I've gone through all of those, you know, for all the different quadrants, I now take my ones from every quadrant. It doesn't matter if it's business or personal or family or um, you know other job related, then I take those four items and I number them A through D. And that gives me my priorities. So A goes first mm -hmm. and I take action on that. And the thing about this is I've found it gets me traction. It gets me really fast traction to right. where I, I feel happy about, oh my goodness, whether it was the hard thing to do or whether it was um, the urgent thing to do that was just kind of on my chest, even mm -hmm. if it wasn't that hard, just clearing out that mm -hmm. A1 is a big deal. Right. And a way to piggyback to, to build on that or piggyback at whatever you want to say is something that we haven't sat down together yet, but I've just 
kind of new in the efficiency, productivity kind of realm of our life is trying to map out an ideal week. Now, our ideal weeks change quarterly based off of my work schedule, the kids' activity schedule, your work schedule, and your marine schedule because mm -hmm. that's always changing at the same time. So we really have to look at this more of a every 90 days and how things are wrapping up kind of thing. But if you have time blocks to say, for instance, my 6 to 7 a.m. is gym time. I, because I have a great coach who programs workouts for me, I know what my workouts are. I walk straight into the gym. I can get to work. Massive but, advantage of having a coach. But like 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. on other days is PCF admin. If you have that quarterly already set up, you can say, oh, from 6 to 7, I'm supposed to be working on PCF, or peak conditioning and fitness. Yeah, and PCF. Here's my quadrant. It. Here's my 1A. Oh, that's my first tax I need to do. And you can just literally go down that list, that quadrant list as you have it blocked out. Yeah. Knowing, and then in the now, next hour, then I'd go into design hour. You're, you're oh, starting to get into something that's like, it's absolutely an effective technique. It's just getting into that complicated thing and building an ideal week is something that your conscious brain, when you're thinking clearly, and when you're not encumbered with uh, other emotions or other things, you take that clear thinking time and you establish it, right? And then what that ideal week becomes is it becomes environmental control. Right. It becomes terrain for you. Right. And, and when we have a terrain or an environment that we've built based on our habits, that's the foundation of the art of consistency right there. Because now we've leveraged our biology, we've leveraged the rhythms in our week, and then we can use the limited amount of willpower and brain power that we get that will fatigue if we use too much of it, and we can leverage that at the point where we need to make decisions and where we need to get over these inertial humps. Right. So, yes, exactly. I mean, that kind of brings the conversation full circle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, underneath all of this stuff, you guys, is you got to build out your environment, and that environment is is actually physical it's the clutter in your house mm -hmm. it's where the food lives it's what your workspace for your workouts is like whether that's a gym or at home it's um moral it's where your character intersects with the decisions that you have to make it's where uh you have built out habitual work habits and your approach to work and all of these environmental factors when you have a good baseline and a good foundation, they come together and let you make the best, clearest decisions that are in line with your values and in line with your priorities. And that takes a lot of procrastination out of it. Right. So there is no there's easy, no there's no easy, <laughs> there's no easy answer. Yeah, that, there are tips and tricks and some stuff you can do to get some small wins, but a lot of it is just the process of getting better getting developed, building character, and building yourself a solid foundation on which to operate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good deal. Well, hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk soon. All right. Bye.
speech of the week. Avoid the all or nothing mindset. The all or nothing mindset pits people against perceived perfection and focuses only on faults, not on actual bright spots. The all or nothing mindset frequently rears its head after a missed or imperfect workout or from eating a bad food that breaks your rules, whatever that means. Well, I missed Monday's workout, so I guess the week is ruined. Or an even subtler version of that might sound like, I guess it's just one of those weeks. I'm not going to make my workouts. A cup of ice cream turns into a bowl, which turns into a tub. For some, having one beer can lead to 12. You get the idea. A slip becomes a slide, which becomes an extended slump. Instead, practice a flexible mindset that focuses on practicing skills and getting better at them. Did you have one or two cookies? Great. I hope you enjoyed them. Now what's on the menu for your next healthy meal? Did you miss your planned workout start time? No problem. What can you do now in the next 15 minutes? You don't have to be perfect to make progress, so don't chase perfection. Set targets just outside of your comfort zone, practice your consistency, and pat yourself on the back more for getting back up after a fall than for doing something perfectly.